You are listening to the Tricer Podcast, where we talk all things hunting, gear, and the great outdoors. Before we begin, let's start things out right and put God first. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Tricer, and I ask that you can use this podcast as a way to bring joy to all of our listeners. We lay Tricer and this podcast at your feet. Amen. Another episode of the Tricer Podcast. Today I'm joined by Dave Barnett. He is the research content manager from Go Hunt. He is the man behind the draw odds. He might not be the face of the company, but he's the guy who makes you guys get your points. So welcome, Dave. Thanks, man. Happy to be on. Happy to be on. That's a big title. That's I feel like you have a job that I wouldn't want. Like you're responsible for for getting these draw odds done and for everyone drawing their tags. And like one mistake could ruin someone's season. <laughs> Yeah, it gets pretty rowdy. Yeah. So in our research office here, we have essentially five people in the research team. So we have our head of research, Brandon Evans. He's the guy I answer to. And then we have the rest of us down below. Yeah. So like this time of the year, and in fact, I was doing it 10 minutes before you and I jumped on this call. It's just nothing but odds. And and it's pretty wild. A lot of people, they, they think of, oh, you work at a hunting company. It's got to be like all this glamorous stuff. And I'm looking at, at data sheets. I got like a couple million lines of data in them all day. That's what I do is I look at data. So yeah, it, it, it's a fun process. We have a data scientist we go through and, and we basically reconstruct the draw system for all the Western states and we use all their data and, and do the draw ourselves. And we're simulating the draw one to two million times and producing bell curves. And then from there, we're going through and literally one for one on each hunt, we're verifying the data and make sure it's correct and computing it out and making sure everything's accurate. Yeah, it, it's a it's an intensive project, draw odds are, this time of the year. It gets pretty rowdy. There's a lot of hours, a lot of screen time. But yeah, it, it's fun exploring things and checking things out in all the hunts every year. You know, I was on a podcast recently and I was talking about innovation within the industry and like people who like move and shake things. And I feel like Go Hunt came in and they've been like a disruptor for the industry. Like they've come in and there were guys doing like sending magazines out with draws in a, and you could call mm-hmm. them and they could do stuff. But you guys really just took it to the next level and you guys have really just dominated that space. Like I really was our big game hunting until like 2015. I got a Go Hunt membership in 2016 mm-hmm. and it changed my life. It's, I, and that was even in the beginning. It was nothing like it is today. Today it's so much more powerful. But having Go Hunt and being able to sit there and, and, and just tweak out on different states and, and look at draws and do this stuff has made it to where I draw hunts every single year. And it's because of Go Hunt. Yeah, definitely. There's there's so many like opportunity out there that like people don't realize. And that's always been the big thing with Go Hunt is number one, we wanted to build just an all-encompassing thing. We have direct competitors in our space that do a lot of similar things that we do, and there's some damn good people working at these competitors. But we're the first to bring it all into one environment, dabble here, dabble there. And, and the main goal on there has always just been, let's get people outside. Whether it's a guy that has 25 points that's trying to kill the bull of a lifetime, or a guy that just wants to get out with his kids, or just go experience something new. And that's where I fall into that. Like Growing up up north, I grew up in Idaho and Montana. That's all we ever hunted. We had good general hunting. and there's no reason to go out of state, this is what we did. So we, we did our, went down to the gas station, bought your tags, and that's what you hunted. But since moving down here and working for Go Hunt now, like there's just, I get more kick out of exploring new things and new opportunities than I do like trying to get like, all right, this year I'm going to kill the biggest meal in my life or next year's the biggest elk, like doing coos deer hunts and going to try Colorado for deer and jumping states and doing all these things that I never would have done. If you're the type of person that is willing to just go out and experience things and just fill tags and whatever and learn things, there's so much opportunity out there in so many Western states. And I think that's the biggest struggle is a lot of people 
and they think Western hunting and they think you got to have a lot of points. All these hunts, you got to have a lot of points. And there, there's states you do have to have a lot of points in, but there, there's a lot of opportunities. Certain hunts, if you're willing to be a little bit colder or hike a little bit longer or grind it out for seven days, like there, there is hunts you can go do every single year and find good success on. And there, there's, it's always been the big thing for us is to show everybody those opportunities. Yeah. And you live in Cedar City. So that's like Southern Central Utah. Mm-hmm. So you really, you you have a hub to Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, and Utah. Like you're oh, kind yeah. of in a really bitching spot to hunt like five or six Western states, like pretty For within like sure. six hours. Yeah. That's I pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. You draw, I mean, like driving back home, it, it's a 12 hour drive to get back home. And we do that with kids and grandparents. I mean, we, we do that a lot. I'm used to that. Like you draw me a, like a 10 hour circle all the way around Cedar City. And there, there's so much that I can do within the 10-hour circle. It's an easy drive. But that, that 10 hours is nothing to me anymore. So yeah, there's a bunch of hunts yeah, immediately around us that I'm doing every year. And I like what you said too, that yeah, I think people think of points. For one, they think it's too late. And for me, it's one of those things where it's like, when's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years mm-hmm. ago. When's the second best time to plant a tree? Today. Start doing it, right? And like I started doing points in probably 2016. I really dove into it. And I do it in probably, I think, eight Western states now. And I've got six to 10 points now in all these states. Mm-hmm. And now every, with Go Hunt, every single year with six to 10 points, I can draw a tag somewhere, no matter what, every year, unless something happens like my Colorado deer tag this year that they canceled the hunt because of snow and whatever. Oh, right, yeah. they, I had 100% draw odds <laughs> with, with seven points and I think 50% draw odds is six. And I had, I had seven points and they... they Cut the tags because of the winter kill, and right. I didn't get the tag. Right. Some things happen, but I'm able to go on a hunt every single year with that wide net and, and using go hunt and be able to find hunts. And then sometimes you get lucky. Like my, I drew my first elk hunt. My, I killed a bull, and I would never knowing what I now put in for this unit. But it was like, oh, I can put in for it. And I think I have 20 percent draw odds with one point in Arizona, and I drew a freaking bull tag. Right. I think I probably killed like one of the only two or three bulls killed in that unit that year. But I hunted it for six days. It was I didn't see one single cow, nothing, and then I killed a bull on like the last day. But if it wasn't for Goha, I never would have known to put in for that unit. Like I just saw it and saw him put in for it. And the same thing out with my father-in-law. Like he had real low odds, and I was like one point, and he drew a bull tag. And that same bull tag takes six points to draw with 100% draw odds, mm-hmm. but it was like 15% with one. I'm like, let's put in for it. What's the worst that can happen, right? And it's just it's awesome. You, you do that. Same thing happened this year with my kid. Like he had a. It's an earlier, it's an earlier late season hunt. And I use Go Hunt. It's a unit that my father-in-law drew. So I know the unit. We killed a bull there and put him in for it with six points. And he had, like, I think, 60% draw odds to draw this hunt. And he didn't draw. But last week or two weeks ago, Arizona called me and said, hey, there's a turn back tag. Your kid's next in line. Do you want it? And we drew a tag. So there's, Heck yeah. dude, there's a, I have countless stories. Dude, Go Hunt has made it so I hunt everywhere. Like before Idaho got all weird with like their draw mm-hmm. system. We went over countered Idaho because of Go Hunt. We went up to the Frank. We flew in. We put this whole hunt together. We killed two deer and an elk. And that was because of Go Hunt. I drew right. a freaking sheep before before Adad got really hard to draw in New Mexico. I drew we drew a a party tag for four of us to go to New Mexico and Adad. We killed oh, wow. four Adad on public land. And I do get it, like things are getting are tightening up. And I think you could probably speak this a little more. Like, I feel like mule deer are going to get harder and harder to draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like a mule deer tag needs to take three points is taking six to nine points now and even more. Right. Uh, can you speak to that? Is that? Am I wrong to say that? Because I've been saying that because I feel like it is harder to draw a mule deer tag. Yeah, you're definitely seeing that. We've been fighting a few things for the past few years. Number one, winter kill 
diseases, CWD, EHD, things like that have been hitting populations all across the West, several states. Mm -hmm. And then not even just with winter kill. I mean, you have states that are just struggling with mule deer, particular Montana, Idaho. Some of these states are just really struggling on mule deer populations right now. So you're dealing with tags getting lower, hunting opportunities getting less and less. And then you're also dealing with more people in the system. Obviously, we're educating people. There there is the, the go hunt effect. People talk about, we're well aware of that. We do bring people into the ecosystem. So you're dealing with all-time high hunting numbers, particularly on that kind of that, that draw section of side of things. So you have more hunter numbers, lower tag numbers. So things are getting harder and harder to find. But I think some of that does get polarized in the fact that there still is a lot of good, like low point opportunity for hunts that like you're just going to have to bust your rear end on. There, there's, you look, I mean, Colorado is always a prime example for deer. There's some of the zero and one point units in Colorado that can still produce 180 plus inch bucks and they do it every single year. But it's, you're going to, maybe a hunt you're going to spend seven days on just busting your tail trying to find a buck on too. So there, there's always those, those things to get into. But yeah, for the most part, I think social media lends itself into that too. A lot of people like, especially like hunters, I always feel so bad for them because it's, man, like if I don't kill a 300 inch bull, it's not worth posting. Or if I don't kill a 170 inch buck, it's not worth showing anybody. But with this idea that you have to kill a big buck, those areas are few and far between compared to what people think. So yeah, those, those do take some points for sure. But for just the, just to get out and find a good solid representation of a true animal, there, there is some low point stuff you can do. But that's where having kind of that knowledge of you know, how the, all of these different draw systems work. You mentioned on Arizona earlier, that's one of my favorite draw systems for a low point individual because 20% of their tags are guaranteed to the highest point holders, but 80% of them go random. It's the highest random draw of any state other than like Idaho that's, that's a pure random draw. So looking at a state that like, you know, yeah, this hunt takes six, seven points to draw 100% odd, but like I can draw that any year there's potential i can draw that it's like the last three tags i've drawn in arizona i drew on zero points and they normally take five or six to draw um you know so so having that knowledge base of of how some of these draws operate you know you you can set yourself up to have a decent hunt every year do you feel like i would have i know myself personally i waste a lot of my company time looking at go hunt insider (laughs) now like when you're the guy writing the code and, and doing this are you just like writing it down? Oh, I got to apply for this. Are you spiding gems? Are you like inside? Are you the inside insider? Yeah, we definitely do. Here's the thing. Like I'm spending like literally all day, every day. That's what I'm doing is just in these hunts. So you definitely find things that you're like, oh, like what about this hunt? What about this one? And that's, I'm a guy that like, I don't like carrying points at all. You like said earlier, like there, there's certain points you have to build. If you want a limited entry deer, I'll tag in Utah. You have to build a bunch of points. But I'm a guy that I, I get two points and I'm like, man, what can I draw with two points now? I'm going to get another yeah, tag and go back out again. But when I, less so now than when I first started, I think once you, once I've been in this for a while, I know the type of hunts that I'm looking for, the type of terrain I like to hunt, where I thrive at. So I've already got like ideas at all times of what I want to do next year. I got a collection of units for whatever species picked out in the state. But yeah, I'm always constantly checking the hunt out. I see something that like has better odds than I thought it was. Check that hunt out, see what it's all about. Yeah, there's always little things I'm looking for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I like what you're saying with the one or two points trying to draw. I know a lot of guys who have 15 to 20 points in a lot of states mm-hmm. and never go hunting. And it's, man, I understand that I might be killing a trophy bull every year. Like, we're going to go to this unit in Arizona, and if I shoot a 270 to 300-inch bull, that would be a trophy for this unit we're going mm-hmm. to. And I will, honestly, I don't care about social media. So if my kid shoots a four-point raghorn, like... I'm glad they're going to post it. And then I'll gladly talk crap to you for talking crap on my kid's bull that would have been better next year. I don't care. 
Right. Like it's a freaking elk. And anyone who's actually hunted elk and understands how hard it is, especially getting a kid on an elk, will understand it. If you only draw, just because you draw a strip tag after 25 years, doesn't mean you're going to kill a 220 inch mule deer. Right. But if you're going out every year for 20 years, every, finding a way to hunt mule deer every year for 20 years, you're probably going to get a chance at a 280 inch, 200 inch mule deer at some mm-hmm. point. Murphy's Law says at some point a giant is going to stand up. Right. Yeah, I've always been a firm believer in that, especially when it comes to elk. I'm an opportunity guy with elk. So if it's legal, generally I'm going to kill it. This year in Idaho, I passed up. Like, I can like finally say, like, I like legit passed up, like, the first bulls I've ever passed up with a bow. And like, grand scheme of things, I shouldn't have because I ended up eating that tag. But I've always been like, I'm like, yep, elk meat is like what my family gets down on. So I see an elk, I'm killing it. But I've always said that eventually at some point you do that long enough, you're going to bump into something big. And if you don't, you have a garage full of 240 inch bulls and you're happy. There's always, yeah, there's always that opportunity to running into something big. And you hear about it guys every year, just be bopping up the ridge. They always hunt and a 220 inch buck runs out. I mean, it's like that giant buck that dude killed in Colorado here. Six, seven years ago, they were out hunting for cow elk and he shoots a giant 200 plus inch mule deer. You know, last thing we expected, but. Yeah, I'm one of these people who's like too dumb to quit. So I'll be out no matter what. Like I, th- like my success is more so based on my stubbornness than my skill. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I tell people to just get out there and go. Like eventually, if you're, I think if you have a seven day hunt, like you're going to get an opportunity in seven days. If you're mm-hmm. willing to put seven days in, not go back to the tent. Like we're, like, we're going to go hunt Kuzju or leave on this Thursday Thanksgiving. We're going to accuse you for seven days. We are going to find your bucks. And if we stay out there long enough, we'll probably find some good ones, right? Like we're, we definitely, we have three elk and a deer in the freezer right now. So we're not out there trying to meat hunt, especially for right. a coos deer. I mean, you, I was just joking with my friend. You literally get 30. If you tell me you just wanted the meat, it's only 30 pounds, maybe. Maybe, on a yeah. You get 20. Like I cut those things with a whole butt roast just to get some more meat in there. Oh, yeah. They're just like, when I grind them, I, I, I cut those things so heavy with some pork just to get more meat out of those things, <laughs> but, but they're not big. And so we're going to, we're going to spend seven days looking for these things and we will find a, a good reputation of that deer. And I think our standard for this hunt is probably 80 to hundred inch is our goal. Mm-hmm. Right. You you can get a public land buck around 90, 90 to hundred in, in Arizona. That's a good buck. Good buck. That's a really good buck. So the boys have both said they don't want to shoot sporks. So I'm like, okay, let's try and find a three by three with big eye guards or something with some trash on it. What's this be selective? Try and kill something. And then, but again, with kids, they have to also kill it too. Yeah. So that's part of the fun with kids is sometimes you uh, miss animals a lot. Yeah. So my kid just missed a deer here locally in San Diego, which like getting on deer in San Diego is so freaking hard. And I'm like, why'd you miss? And I'm like, you were so wide. And he's like, I wasn't stable. Why'd you pull the trigger? <laughs> I'm like, we had hiked down in the bottom of this Hell Canyon. Not only do you do the gun inside of draw odds, you also do some stuff for Tricer. You do art for, for other yeah. people, not just Tricer, but you do some like pretty bitchin' arts. You actually just designed, which it will be out by the time this podcast comes out. The new, the Dave, the Dave Skull hat already came out today. Yeah. And then we have the Dino Packout shirt. I, you designed really bitchin' shirts. So I said, Dave, I want to, I want a shirt of a guy packing out a triceratops and with a volcano. And like you went into my mind and you drew it and it turned out bitching. <laughs> like you made exactly yeah. what I was looking for. And how'd you get into that? Dude, honestly, like we're like, I've always been like growing up. I was always like fairly artistic. Like I, I, just, I enjoyed drawing, but like I didn't like really push it. Never really got into things. Never did like schooling or anything. I just, I always liked it. I liked creating things. And a couple of years ago, I'm not like, 
I'm not like a tech guy. I realize I work like in a tech industry, but I'm not like, I don't keep up on all the latest tech, what's coming out, what's doing this kind of thing. And my wife had this little machine that she bought that she can cut out vinyl and make stickers and that kind of thing. And she bought an Apple pencil and I had no idea what an Apple pencil was at all. She got this thing and she starts playing with it. And I'm like, holy crap, you can draw on your iPad. So I'm just playing around with it, downloaded this program. And, and I just made an Instagram page and kind of just started posting things I was working on. It just snowballed from there and blew up. Um, yeah, the past couple of years, man, I've done a lot of work for a lot of companies. Um, and you guys were like the first, like I've, I've done some stuff with GoUp, but you guys were like one of the like bigger companies. I'm doing a lot of like smaller little hunting group pages and things like that. Some things for buddies and whatnot. Yeah, and it, it just like I said, it just snowballed from there and blew up into, into kind of a fun little like side project. Now I, I've met a lot of really cool people doing that. I've got to work on some cool stuff, but it's nice because like like taps into my creative outlet, especially for, for like you guys. Because growing up, man, I've always been like a dino nerd. Like I can't like I watch like Jurassic Park. My wife and she just I drive her nuts because I can name every dinosaur on there. So yeah, my boy, like my boy's in the dinosaurs, so we get to geek out on that together. But so I like combining like weird things that shouldn't go together. So yeah, when you guys are like. Dude packing out a triceratops. I was like, heck, yeah, I'm all over this one. I love things like that. Love it. Yeah, I want to do – I always have these, like, random ideas. I try not to, like – I tend to – I don't like to micromanage people. So, right. I, like, I don't want to give you, like, too much guidelines for what I want because it's – I don't want to try and stifle your creative, like, mojo. I want you to do it. Dude, I want to do like one called like the gutless method. It's a guy like gutless method metheding a triceratops. It's like running the, running the knife on the back, peeling right. back. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. That would be awesome. It's just fun. Oh, I just yeah. feel with Tricer, and this is off topic, but not really. When we were coming up with the name, it was like, I was a silly buddy at a coffee shop, my designer, Troy, Troy, mm -hmm. yeah. who really enjoys working with you, by the way. It's neat yeah, to see you guys Troy's work together. Dude. Yeah. He's so creative, man. He's so good. Oh, yeah. And so we're sitting there and he's like, what do you want to call it? And I'm like, I don't know. I, and I, I, this sounds bad, but I was like, I need like a stupid name, like Kuyu, Sitka, Kafar. Everyone has these. I don't want to say, they're not names that are stupid, but it's not like the hunt shop or the backpack company. And so I was like, I don't know, tripods, triceratops, tricer. And that's how it came up. It was like that, that fast. So like funny. tricer. I've always wondered that. Because I was trying to figure out like how to do one of these names. Mm -hmm. And that's how we did it. And then and then I was like, I don't want, I feel like everyone's logo, which Gohan isn't. Gohan is, a, I like Gohan's logo. Everyone's logo is a freaking euro of a deer or an elk. Yeah. And it's, it's so played out. Right. And it's, man, I would love to, I actually would like, Kafaro has the rhino. Yeah. Uh, which I think is bitching because it's not a deer, not an elk. But I was like, man, what's like the most bad A freaking herbivore there ever was that I would love to hunt? And I was like, Triceratops, man. Let's do a Triceratops. Right. That'll be our logo. And we don't, we can be the dinosaur company, right? That's what. Cody Rich's son calls us the Triceratops company. I yeah. told him he's on, tell he on our pro staff. I send him like gear and stuff. And he, <laughs> he calls us, it's from the Triceratops company. That's so funny. It's just fun, dude. And it's like, why not? Why not be a Triceratops company instead of a, right. a deer company or an elk company? And uh, plus I shoot so many forkies anyways. I'd be lying if I had some giant, <laughs> I'd be lying if I had some giant mule deer, 200 mule deer on there that I never killed. Right. So, yeah, uh, for sure. I hear that. <laughs> So that's where that came from. So yeah, dude, your art's pretty sick, dude. Like you do a bunch of cool stickers. I so say you do this like Homer Simpson pack out thing recently. Yeah, and, like, that's, yeah that's what I was talking about. That's like my favorite, <laughs> just like goofy stuff. Yeah, I've done like the Homer Simpson sticker. I did a Hank Hill one. I did, I, I like geeked out on space last year, went through this whole phase. <laughs> like, I had like space to be yeah. like an astronaut packing out an elk. Yeah, it's just fun to be able to just, yeah, come up with something wild and crazy and, and throw it together. Yeah, I have a good time doing that. Yeah, I really, that's what inspired me to use you was seeing that astronaut one. I was like, I like that because it's like taboo to just like the standard like, right. 
freaking getting elk shape and a big buff guy carrying out an elk. It's just not, it's just not me. Like I want something that's a little more different, a little funner. And you were able to nail it, dude. You crushed it on that one that's for awesome. sure. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, that's always been like my gripe is like the hunting industry from an apparel standpoint, it's always been pretty stale. Like it's always just, it's always the same thing. You know, so there's always been like some standout stuff. I remember like back in the day, Sneaky, man, that was like the cool one to have. And they started doing some cool designs, Dead Eye, you know. So, I mean, there's been some companies that have pushed it for sure. But it was always just, you know, just, it's just, it's just a Euro head with horns and some mountains behind it type of thing. Um, you know, so yeah, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. it's been cool yeah, getting into I, it. So we are like, we just launched like eight new hats and I think they're pretty cool. Yeah. They're sick hats. And then we have launched, I think eight new shirts as well. And we're doing like some really neat stuff. Like our hats are all like the inside of them is all custom. They're all custom made for us. So like the stitching has dinosaurs on it inside. They're just cut. They have tags on them. The shirts have tags sewn into the sides of them. Like it's just trying to be like, honestly emulate like you guys and mountain ops. Mm-hmm. I think like right now, if I had to pick two companies that I feel like are young and hip and I'd like to use that word young and hip. But they're yeah. cool companies would be like, I really like what Mountain Ops is doing. And I really like what Go Hunt is doing. Right. And like when I talk to my my team, I'm like, hey, well, go look what you guys are doing. I, I want it like they're not just doing the same Richardson 112 with a leather patch on it. It's one guy's leather patch hat, everyone's leather patch hat, which I like leather patch hats, but let's do something different. Let's make our leather patch black. Let's do something like we yeah. don't have to do the same damn thing that everyone's doing. Let's be creative. And I love like that's why I love working with someone like you or Troy or just mm-hmm. other people in the industry and like allowing them to be creative with my company and see what they can bring out. It's really neat. For sure. Yeah, definitely. We, yeah. So we brought on a guy either last year or the year prior. I can't remember now. His name's Kevin Ragnetta. He's like our head of like apparel and design and things like that here at Go Hunt. He used to work for Quicksilver before coming over here. So he was a non-hunter like coming in. So yeah, it was like, it's just weird clash of like the California surfer, like kind of skate scene and like building with hunting and like, so it's fun to work on that stuff because I think like, like we hit on hunting apparel has always been the same and it's everybody wears it and everybody looks the same, but like, like I wear vans and I got black earrings and stuff. <laughs> like I like to wear stuff that's like a little bit out there. So it's cool to get into like kind of refreshing designs and, and, and check that kind of stuff out there. Yeah. I think there's definitely room in the hunting industry for some fun stuff. Yeah. Being in SoCal, you'd be jealous. I live like one mile from the van store, like the original van store. Oh. You know, it's been, there, it's been there since I was a kid, 40 years has been there. Yeah, little brick building. Yeah. We all wear that. And that, same thing. We've had that surfer influence, right? Being from San Diego, we want to have, we all wear Quicksilver. We all do that stuff. So we want to, like, even our new, we have a new camo pattern we're working on where it's just, I was like, I want Triceratops skulls. Yes. And the camo pattern is the Triceratops skulls. And I'm like, dude, we could be like the Gucci of hunting. I don't care. Like, why do we have to do the same thing everyone's doing? Let's just be, let's have some fun with it. What's, I think that carries over into our gear, right? Like my stuff is different. It is different than what people are doing. Like I want it to be modern and sexy and cool. And I want my apparel to be the same way. And I think people appreciate it. We don't have to do the same thing everyone's doing. I always joke around, we're not your grandpa's tripod company, right? Like we're right. out here and I'm not saying that old guys can't use my stuff. Please use my stuff. <laughs> but what I'm saying is I don't want to do things the same way everyone else has been doing it. I want to be innovative. I want to be cutting edge. I want to be different. Yeah. It's, we're really, I don't think, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say it's true though. Like you think like a tripod company, you're like, okay, how are you, like, you going to reinvent the tripod? But I swear like every day I get on Instagram and like hit stories and I'm like, Drew's got another new product you came up with today. And it's just, everything is just so on point. We had a Utah rifle hunt here for deer. And yeah, my wife just flat stole my BC and LP from me, like for the whole hunt. I couldn't get back from her. Like she loved that thing. But yeah, it's cool to see you guys like getting so excited about tripods and accessories because it's producing some badass gear. We've been loving it. 
Yeah. And, and a part of that too is like getting to like have a relationship with Cody Nelson now from Go Hunt. Yeah. Like this is someone like, I've actually been talking to, talking to Jay Scott a little bit too, not talking, but like messaging back and forth. And he's been using some of my prototypes with mm-hmm. Cody. And these are people who like 10 years ago who I idolized. Yeah. Like lis- listening to Cody and Jay talk about glassing and like Dwayne Adams and, and talk about glassing and, and tripods is what got me to buy my first tripod off Camel Fire that was like just some crappy aluminum thing right. that I used. But getting to geek out with Cody, like Cody is like such a rad dude. Mm-hmm. I need to have him on the tripod podcast. We yeah. never shut up. Because there's no one else who really, that I know who gets so excited about tripods. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Like we're just like going back and forwards. He's texting me on Sundays and Saturdays and we're going like, what do you got this? What do you got this? Oh, try this. Because it's like, it's funny because it's been such a, it's such a stagnant industry for so long. And some of the stuff that we're coming out with, like this new JC tripod that I'm sitting in front of right now, like with all the panning built into the head. Yeah, that thing's is, It's going to change people's, I don't want to say change their lives, but sure. It's going right. to blow people away. It's going to make it to where you find so many more animals. And it's just like a simple thing that we changed. It's just, it's a mm-hmm. three-legged tripod. It's still a three-legged tripod, but we did some stuff different that made it so much better. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, it's rad. There's, I can talk about it, I don't care. Like we're, <laughs> we're doing something like, just like I listened to Jay and Cody, like they, they ran my stuff. And honestly, having those guys use my stuff, it scares the hell out of me. Like hearing, hey, Jay Scott's going to touch your tripod today is, oh my gosh, this is like the dude. Like, the right. most, like the glassing God in my book. <laughs> they were talking about like weight and stuff. And this new tripod's three pounds. I'm like, that's pretty heavy for me coming from a guy yeah, who yeah, makes yeah. two pound tripods. But I'm like, I came up with an idea. I'm making steel inserts for all three legs and the center column that are mm-hmm. removable. So if you wanted to throw an extra four pounds in your tripod, you can. No, no one's doing that. No, you always like, have to buy a new tripod. You have a new tripod or have two or have an eight pound tripod. Now you're able to have a three pound tripod that you can make a five pound, a four pound, a three pound. A, a seven pound tripod and have the extra weight there. Yeah. But that's just stuff no one's done before, but we can like just change tripods. Right. Right. Like this, this is neat, man. It's, uh, it's so awesome. Gohan has been such a rad partner for me and like, getting to talk to Cody and get input from everyone over there has just been so great. And uh, I appreciate Gohan so much. Everything you've done for me. So with that, we always want to talk about hunting on this podcast. It's a yeah, hunting right. podcast. <laughs> so you came from Idaho. You came from Montana, Western Montana. Yeah, both. I grew up, yeah, my, my folks split when I was young. So yeah, like I grew up in like split, like Northern Idaho and like very Western Montana. Okay. So how did you get into hunting? What was your, tell me about your first big game animal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So like my dad hunted his whole life. So naturally, like I, I got into that. Like I remember when I was, my dad owned a taxidermy shop. So I remember when I was like little, like two, three years old, going out with taxidermy shop. So I was pretty screwed from the get go. Like I was going to be a hunter. And I remember six, seven years old, following my dad around Idaho elk hunting. I saw stuff elk hunting back then when I was a kid that like like grown men will never see. Just as wild, some of the stuff we got into with elk. So when I finally hit 12, like I hit the ground running. I actually shot my first big game animal was a black bear. I killed it like an hour into my first day hunting. Like just, we just ran into a bear and killed it. Like it was nuts. And it just blew up from there. My dad's always been a big bow hunter. So bow hunting is naturally what I gravitated to. And that's usually, if I'm picking a hunt, like it's going to be a bow hunt. That's what I'm going to go after. So yeah, I've literally been hunting since I could walk, following dad around. But yeah, archery elk's always been like the big gig for us. Really? And you archery elk anywhere you can get attacked? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I still enjoy a rifle. And honestly, like at the end of the day, like if I was like picking like my perfect season, it's going to be it's going to be archery bow hunts and it's going to be rifle deer hunts. Like that's how I want to go out. And if somebody today was like, all right, you got to pick like your dream hunt, like the last hunt you're going to do, what's going to be, it'd be an archery elk hunt for sure. Really? Mm-hmm. So... You've been hunting now. So how old are you now? I am 34. So I've been hunting for what, 22 years? 22 years. Mm-hmm. So 
give me your favorite hunting story. It doesn't need to be the biggest animal. Yeah. It could be like just, it could be one where you didn't even get an animal. Right. What's your most memorable story? It could be give it to me. Honestly, probably a rifle coos hunt I did a couple of years ago. So I went down and hunted a unit in, in Arizona. There was, there was that third rifle hunt. So the first week of December, went down by myself. And this is an area that I hunted the year prior. I killed just a dink, a little four corn sitting on the floor behind me here. Just a little dink four corn. First coos I ever killed, we shot one, just to kill a coos. So I went down the next year and I really wanted to shoot a big buck, a good solid buck. And I spent six days in this spot hunting. And I literally hunted the exact same basin for six days. And I, I just, I started a long ways away from it, figured out where deer are, moved a little bit closer the next day, moved a little bit closer and just continually moved my way in. Um, and, are, and you, finally, are you spike camping? So I was actually in this spot. I could park my truck within a mile of it. And I had okay. a whole sleep set up in the back of the truck with a topper and everything. So I was just hitting washes and heading back and forth in the dark from the truck. So it was about a mile and a half to get into my glassing point. So it wasn't too bad. But yeah, I got in there and seeing the same deer over and over, but I got into a spot and like I was seeing like 30, 30 coos deer a day, which, you know, like on most coos hunt, you're typically not seeing that, that type of animal numbers, lots and lots of does and little bucks. And then finally, I finally found this buck and glass him way up in the head end of this basin. And I'm like trying to figure out like, you know, how can I get closer to him, blah, blah, blah. I went to get a range on him. I just wanted to see, you know, get a range on him and then range out to another ridge and, you know, see, see where I need to get to direct and shoot. And I ranged him and, and he was on, he was in range. He was on the cusp of what I wanted to shoot, but I'd been playing in long range guns and getting a little bit more comfortable with that. I was like, okay, pretty much my last morning. I think the next day was my last day. And I laid down, got everything set, everything dialed, got the phone, the phone scope on him and everything and shot and made a good shot and killed him. And yeah, he was a great buck for that area. He was right at 90 inches. Just a real pretty good solid four point, really nice buck. But that hunt, I just, I learned a lot on that hunt, being by myself and sticking with it and doing everything every day. I mean, it, it, besides that, it was just, it was a cool area growing up in Montana. Like even like when I see cactuses now, I'm like, oh man, that's cool. It's a cactus. I just, I'm not used to that kind of thing. So being out in the desert and finding tarantulas down in the washes and fighting cactuses, I fell on a prickly pear my first morning, sat on another one. Oh, like, just like, just the whole gamut of Arizona dealing with cat claw. And like, it's just, it's just a different world. Um, but it, it was a really cool fun hunt. I remember coming off of that hunt and just, you know, feeling really good about it. Um, you know, but yeah, man, it, it's like, it's so hard. I've, I've, I've had a lot of really cool hunts over the years, uh, but that one in particular was pretty awesome. So yeah, everything in Arizona bites. Oh yeah. Everything, everything wants to kill you. Everything is fighting for survival. There's no water. Everything, every bush has thorns on it. Mm-hmm. Every cactus, like Choi, like you were by yourself, Yeah, but like I've had to do, I've had to do the drop the pants and my buddy pulled the cactus out of my butt cheeks type mm-hmm. thing. Cause like I used to carry my butt pad, like flapping down here low, oh, never yeah. again. With those, if it touches the choya, it'll pop the choya off into your leg. So mm-hmm. I had one in my, I had to drop my pants down, like butt naked up on a mountain <laughs> with my buddy pulling cactus on my butt, dude. Like oh, it man. will, uh, you come back from there and like their your legs look different. Like oh, they're yeah. just all cut up and well, it's just everything too, down like, their bites. Never wear like new pants or like good pants. You're going to destroy them. Like I had a brand new pair of stick of pants I wore one year and like absolutely shredded them. But yeah, it's like, I remember the first time I went to Arizona, a month later, I get like this wound on my leg and it was a cactus thorn <laughs> back and it's way back out of my leg. And I never like yeah. figured it out. Like it's, yeah, it, it messes you up. And even some of that other country, I hunted up near Flagstaff last year and like it didn't have cat claw and all that, but it had manzanita, which is like awful. And there's nothing in Arizona. Like you look at it and you're like, oh yeah, sandy desert. Like I can cruise this country, but it, it eats you up. It's brutal. 
Yeah, San Diego is like that too. It's so thick, and we have tons of manatees. You can't. That's why we have such a terrible deer population. It's just yeah. it's so overgrown. You cannot move through it at all. Yeah, yeah Manzanita is is a nightmare. You try to get. It's oh. like a a spider web of like the hardest wood that you can't push out of the way. It just cuts no. you. It has no give. <laughs> no give whatsoever. It's like the it's a protected. I don't know if it's protected in Arizona. It's protected here. You can't cut it down in California. Oh, really? It's yeah. a, I think it's a California. I don't know if it's a state tree or whatnot, but right. you cannot cut it down. Yeah, growing up like back home, like we had alder brush grow like <laughs> head high. I mean, everybody's used to like alder in Alaska. They heard stories like it's brutal to walk through, but like, like alder, you can push out of your way and put a head down, drop your shoulder, and go through it. But like, I moved down to Utah and then got like my experience with oak brush, and I was like, man, like this stuff's awful. Like oak brush is terrible, and then like you get the manzanita. That's like level ten hell when you get there. Like you like you go around manzanita. There's no you going through it. It's nasty. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So when you're glassing, I'm assuming you're glassing, right? You mm-hmm. cannot find coos not glass. This is a couple of years ago. What optics are you using for that? Are you using fifteens? Yeah, I've been so lately the past few years I've been using twelve twelve fifties the UHDs from Vortex. Okay. I if I had the extra funds on the side, I'd be rocking a set of fifteen fifty sixes for sure. Absolutely beautiful set of glass. But yeah, running twelves for most of my Western hunts anymore. Yeah, twelves are great. If you just need one pair of binos and you're gonna be you can't do you know a set of eights and a set of fifteens or a set of tens mm-hmm. and fifteen. I tell people all the time like twelves are they're an incredible way to go on a tripod. You can see a lot of stuff. But yeah, for air, for if you're from Southern California, Arizona, you're running Swarovski 1556s. Like 100%. they are those SLCs. 15s, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those SLC 15s are meat seekers, and like even like I just bought a set of BTX, and I'm running for the new tripod because I got to yeah. proving this tripod. Right. And and I like the BTX, but man, compared to those 15s, like the 15s are so much more enjoyable to glass with. Oh yeah. Because you can just cover country, and I mean, I find. So so many animals with those 15s. Oh, 100%. They That's just the thing, work. Like, people like, and I always tell people that with optics, like you always got to buy it at like the top of your price range. And there's really no such thing as like one optics company that's priced way better than another. Like you always get whatever you put into money that you put into optics, you're always going to get something out of it. And you try to compare the razor glass, which is really good glass against Swaro. And you just can't until you look through it and look at what a $2,500, $3,000 set of glass can do. It's almost scary. Like looking into shadows with them and stuff like you're like, just like, oh my goodness. But yeah, when you're in a glassing intensive spot, so especially if you're doing like a lot of sun and different angles and that kind of thing, the light transmission into shadows is everything. And having that glass quality to back it up is, yeah, it's an un- unworldly thing. So I switched over. Now my new chest bino is the EL Range 8s, mm-hmm. 8x42s. And I think it's the same glass as the NL Pures. Um, yeah. They have, I think they are. It is it unbelievable. Especially on our L cut we just went on. I, it's all I use. They're just incredible. And when you get behind like the 12 by the 12 by 42 NL Pures, mm-hmm. they're crazy. Like it's just so clear. Until you use them, it's, oh, that's why they're $3,000. Right. That's why they cost so much money. And the same thing for that BTX, man. You look at those BTXs, it, they are like next level glass compared to the, even the, 50, the SLCs. Like they yeah. can make the 15s. If they can make NL Pure 15s, it would just, that would change my life. That would be something I have. To, I would like right now, I would be calling Cody and say, Cody, here's my money. Right. I want to be on the first guy to get these things because they are going to be incredible. Because like there's something about those, the NL glass, the NL ranges where it's just like so crisp, edge to edge. And it's almost like you're in the picture. Right. Like it, it's just, they're just, it's, they're really good. And Razor make, I mean, Vortex makes some great stuff too. So does Leica make some incredible glass. I mean, Zeiss makes some incredible glass. But yeah, if you're going to be chasing, if you're going to be seriously chasing animals, 
you're going to want to be on the upper end of any of those binos, like the UHDs. Right. You don't want to be running the Diamondbacks. Like you might get by Diamondbacks are great. If you're just getting into it and you, you can't only thing you can afford, like any binos on a tripod is going to be better than no binos. Right. But like, it's so much better to spend the extra thousand. You're going to end up buying the binos anyways. Like you are going right. to, you're going to buy those Diamondbacks and you are going to end up buying the Razors in the next couple of years. Like, it's almost better just to wait and buy the razors or wait till Black Friday and get them for mm-hmm. 900 bucks. Get yourself the upper tier because it really where it makes, especially on these Kuzans, is that early morning, that first half an hour, 15 minutes before sunrise. And like I'm glassing when it's still dark and I'm right. seeing animals because you get the light transmission. And that's really when it matters is that first hour in the morning and then the last hour of the day or, or the sun, sunset. You want to have the good glass. I wish... They can make glass that got rid of heat waves because tomorrow yeah. can't do it either. Seriously. Yeah, that kills you. <laughs> it that's, yeah, brutal. When you hunt, because I hunt, like I said, S- Southern California, Arizona, mostly heat waves are a real thing. It sucks. And right. I wish they made glass that got rid of that. So For if anyone's sure. out there that could figure that out, someone a lot smarter than me, <laughs> I will invest in you right now if you have a way to make heat waves go away. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was a fun podcast. Definitely, man. Definitely. Are you taking on new clients for your artwork? Dude, always. I'm pretty. Um, I've got a few right now that I'm working on. But yeah, I'm always down. Okay, so where we get like Dave Barnett Art? Is that what it is on Instagram? Yep, that's it. That's exactly it. Dave Barnett Art. If you can't find him, message me. I'll give you Dave's info. <laughs> if you have an issue with your draw odds, DM Dave. He's the guy who's at fault. <laughs> Heck yeah. He's the one. He's the guy that messed it up, and you didn't draw that tag. So yep. I actually blame him for the, the deer count this year in Colorado. I'm not drawing that tag now. So right. We'll hear about it. But. Anything else you want to plug, dude? No, man. I just I really appreciate you bringing me on. If anybody's listening that doesn't have one of Drew's tripods or any of his products, check them out. I can honestly say after spending my season with, I got the BC tripod, the LP head, and the Bino adapter. Phenomenal. Super high quality. Awesome. And, and like you guys always say, it's built by hunters for hunters. There's a lot of thought that went into that. And then even that BC tripod for being a crazy light tripod, it's extremely stable. Like You can still put a heavy optic on it. It's going to handle it. No problem. So yeah, if you're on the fence on Tricer stuff, do it. Thanks, dude. I appreciate that. I've, I've <laughs> right. stopped trying to promote my stuff on here because my guests okay. always promote it for me. It's my best salesman is the end yeah. user, right? If the end user loves our stuff, then it's going to sell more stuff, right? And you can't, you can't fake that. Either. That's a great plug and I appreciate it a lot. Let's do it again, dude. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Tricer Podcast. Do us a favor and like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Tricer USA. And go and check out all of our innovative gear at www.tricerusa.com. Until next time, shoot straight, have fun, and always put God first.